Good morning, and welcome back to Fresh from the Margins, the new releases podcast. My name is B. Peterson, I am your host, and with me, as always, has been... Anna Campion. Hi, everyone. <laughs> uh, it's been a bit... Uh, it's been a minute. Took, yeah, we took we took we took June off because um, I was going down to LA, and I figured that I'd want to have some time to uh, start back uh, production with Harold once I got back. And really, what the month of June kind of served as is like, oh, um, I guess uh, I guess we're gonna figure out how we're gonna uh, wrap this project up a little earlier than expected. Yeah. Um, which is a bummer, but also, I mean, has been kind of, kind of a relief because it's, um, you record a lot because I mean, yeah, I've been going at this for six months straight and Mm -hmm. I've been enjoying it and I'd enjoy to continue doing it, but this has, um, been able to allow me to start thinking about what else I might like to do. Yeah. You didn't build a super sustainable model here. Uh, no, I I didn't. And I was, I was. I had a I had a chat with uh with <laughs> with William Viviani, um, my mentor, if you will, about all this stuff, and he's like, "Yeah, no, like what you've done is really quite incredible, but I'm, but also, you have to realize that that you were setting the bar so high from the get go. Yeah, yeah, you got to ease into uh, it. Yeah, and so yeah, what I've I've I think I've mentioned uh, uh, this on on it on the last episode of All About Ovid, but I think that that will be the one podcast to continue. Um, out of all my stuff is going through the Ovid streaming service with Whitney. Um, we will probably be going heading to a new feed and renaming the podcast because All About Ovid, spelled with all O's, is ungoogleable uh yeah that's kind of a nightmare so yeah um again these things i do to myself but anyway but uh but yeah i i wasn't gonna let um i wasn't gonna let fresh in the margin just kind of end unceremoniously and Mm -hmm. so i was like we got to do one more recording and we're at the six month mark we just finished june so why don't we take some time and look back at the first half of 2021 because that was our first episode was looking back at 2020 um and so yeah let's let's do some looking back and let's just talk about the movies that we've loved so far from this year yeah Um, absolutely um, love it i just just to start uh how many how many films have you gotten around to so far this year because i haven't Uh, seen a ton mainly because i've been seeing all of this in terms of new releases, I haven't seen I haven't seen nearly as many as usual, just because I've been doing all the Wiseman and the Arzener and the. Foster um, I've seen twenty nine films this year. Okay, that that would that could be counted in the twenty twenty one releases. So now some of them. Okay. So like for example, like Nomadland, that is either that could be a twenty twenty release. It could be a twenty twenty one release. It's kind of hard to categorize for the purposes of this podcast i mean we reviewed it in february i think yeah um so it came out wide release in 2021 yeah um okay so so then i'm gonna count that as 2021 um um yeah the oscars kind of (laughs) screwed screwed up a lot of people's like yeah uh how they're gonna see the 2020 best of 2021 yeah stuff like the father 
Um, yeah. Like all these films that were nominated for Oscars, they they came out this year. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah I, so... I, had, I didn't get to see as nearly as many as I liked, but still a lot of great stuff and a lot of great stuff yeah. that we've talked about on this podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think how we're going to... I think how we're going to do this is I've got, I've got my 10, you've got a 10. Um, we'll just go swap back and forth. Um, yeah. Until going down the road till we get to our number one or whatever. The rankings obviously aren't, you know, concrete or anything. And obviously we're only halfway through the year. So these aren't permanent. I definitely, Um, I definitely have a number one so far though. Yeah. As, as do I. Um, Mm -hmm. and I have a number one so far. Yeah, but I'll save um, that. But I think we'll do it right. <laughs> yeah, I would be surprised if anything took your number one spot, considering mm-hmm. how much you praised your number mm-hmm. one spot. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've listened to this podcast, you know what it is. You know what my number one is. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, but, you know. But, but we'll but we'll wait to get there. We'll yeah. we'll do the build. Um, mm-hmm. But how, this is how I think we'll do it: is if we've already done an episode on the film that we're going to talk about we'll keep that one pretty brief yeah it'll just kind of be yeah a a few of minor ones that we've done episodes on right and so so yeah it's just like go back listen to our episode about Mm -hmm. um slacks because we both love that (laughs) film so much (laughs) i mean i will say of the films i've seen in 2021 i would much rather watch a movie like that that takes a big swing and a miss than something that's just like kind of boring and like expected Right. Oh my god, did I tell you my movie thing? I saw Judd Apatow in a restaurant last week with Maude Apatow. Did you meet him? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't, well, so it was at uh, Soho House in New York, which is like a members only, like, establishment, and I went with, Mm. like, a family friend, uh, who is like a friend of my Is this the same family friend who introduced you to Wallace Shawn? Yeah. It is. (laughs) um i love um, shout out colleen love you colleen um but so we by were the there... way just huh go on just want to shout out that our our full episode of the yeah. My with andre because part of this ending process all of the patreon exclusive podcasts are coming to the main yeah. feed and so um, your episode is now out so you can go listen to anna's full thoughts her full evisceration of my dinner with andre yeah the most um, self-congratulatory the full version of the story about off. meeting wallace sean yeah (laughs) exactly anyway um but yeah uh but yeah i saw judd apatow and it was very like um i was just like it was a real starstruck moment because that's like the guy like when people are like what do you want to be when you grow up i'm like judd apatow (laughs) that's that's who i want to be when i grow up so it was really cool and i love mod i think she's awesome but it's it's kind of like like you have to have a membership to go into soho house and so like a lot of celebrities belong there and so i think the idea of it is that you go so that you don't have to go into a place where like paparazzi are going to take pictures of you and people are going to come up to you and stuff mm-hmm. so i was like "Ooh, i want to i'm going to respect their space but i enjoyed sharing the right. same energy as them oh, um and my mom um, my mom was saying she was like well listen when you meet jed apatow then you can say like you know i once saw you in soho house in new york but i didn't say hi to you because i wanted you to enjoy your meal and he'll <laughs> probably think you're so cool for that and i'm like you're right mom thanks <laughs> <laughs> I was in LA for a week and saw a total a total of of zero c- celebrities. Like mm-hmm. I pretty much just hung out with my critic friends, mm-hmm. um, and that was amazing. And I had yeah. an amazing time in in LA, but didn't see 
didn't go to a theater. I went to the New Beverly, mm-hmm. um, the new, the Quentin Tarantino cinema, yeah. just to hang out with Whitney in the projection booth. Nice. Um, I didn't actually see a movie there. Yeah. Um, That's kind of cool. But um, yeah. Um, so yeah. So I like I didn't do any of like the trademark things while mm-hmm. in L.A. I didn't go to a big movie theater. Mm-hmm. I didn't like run into a celebrity. I just hung out and watched movies and talked to movies with some critic friends. Um, right. But anyway. All right. Why don't we get started? Um, who wants to go first? Do you want to go first? Do you want I can to go, go first? first. I can go first. Why don't you go first? Okay. okay. So I have to say that I twenty twenty one has been a really good year for film thus far. Like I've been extremely right. happy with everything that I've watched. Um, like I said, some of my favorites uh, we've talked about on this podcast. I think I recommended this one I'm about to say on the podcast, but okay. uh, coming in hot. Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar is one of the best films to be released right, this year yeah. so far. <laughs> it is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. It is it is consistently rewatchable. Um, Kristen Wiig is a genius. Uh, love it. Love it. Okay. Love that film. All right. Um, I still haven't seen it. It's one of the things just sitting there on the watch list. And I feel like that's a movie I'd want to see in a theater. I don't know if they're going to re-release it in theaters um but i think that's i think that film is unlikely to get a re-release in theaters because i don't think it would draw a huge box office right yeah but anyway it's 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 one i'm 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 gonna definitely make an effort to to catch before before year Mm -hmm. end okay so that's that's barbara starville somewhere um yeah uh for me i'll start out uh by talking about this is one of the films that we talked about for this podcast um this is the film from lemahang jeremiah mosese this is not a burial it's a resurrection mm-hmm. um i still think this is the best photographed film i've seen this year it is drop dead gorgeous um, really beautiful mary mary twala gives an outstanding performance um just uh steadfast and stubborn um it's a film about it's a film about death and not in a not i mean it's it's not about it's not about death in the typical way it's it's people who are proud of of their dead who and it's about decolonizing death and it's yeah. it was a fascinating film and yeah it, a, a lot of the imagery from that film is just stuck stuck in my brain and so this is yeah. not a burial it's a resurrection definitely check it out i it's coming it's from grasshopper film so there's there's going to be a nice blu-ray mm-hmm. release and so yeah recommend yeah. that one that's a good film um, and we i think we both really enjoyed that film so it's a pretty good episode right to go check yeah. out um okay next for you uh we also did an episode on this one uh the french film two of us is okay is one uh, uh, we didn't do a, an episode yeah, on we this. Did. i think it was up for, no we didn't do an episode on two of us because yes, i haven't we seen did. i haven't seen two of us bullshit you haven't seen two of us we did an episode on no that. i haven't i have it it's on my watch list <laughs> okay well i maybe, i think you recommended you know it you also you know wrote what? an I article think I, about yeah it. That, i'm getting it confused because i wrote an article for it i wrote an article about it uh for mm-hmm. i believe movie babble so that's probably okay, where i'm yeah. getting confused and okay, it was so, on one of the polls and it, and it lost one and, it and lost i did it. recommend it so two of us is a french yeah. film uh directed by uh filippo meneghetti um it's okay. 
amazing. It's about these two elderly women who um, form, who basically have been like in a secret lesbian relationship for decades. And one of the women suffers a stroke right before the two plan to basically move to Italy together. And it's sort of about how the the lover um, has to kind of like do battle with her her lover's kids in order to kind of like continue her relationship with this woman. So it's it's really gorgeous. It's um you know, there's not a lot of really good film that surrounds like elderly queer people, I find, and I think a lot of mm-hmm. it has to do with the fact that there's just not as many elderly queer people as there should be because of, you know, the HIV AIDS crisis and various you know, years right. of hate crime and, you know, homelessness and just generally like uh a lot more factors that can lead to a uh shortened lifespan happen to queer people uh historically Mm -hmm. speaking so i think it's really nice to see a film about like i don't know i mean i love i love a good sex scene between two young hotties don't get me wrong um but it is nice to sort of see something that's a little bit more like aspirational in terms of like you can live a really like happy and satisfying life as a queer person it's not just going to be in these like very passionate and fiery moments like there are a lot of Mm -hmm. which are also amazing but there there is a real there is a real future for queer people um throughout the world right if you want um my more i guess my fuller thoughts i go into a lot more detail on it in my article for movie babble um, so right. if you look up uh, Anna Campion movie babble, it's one of the more recent articles that I've written. I've kind of slacked off. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> Zoics, yeah. I've been busy. Um, but yeah. yeah. So anyway, I haven't, two of I us... haven't written a single thing on movie babble since uh, Malcolm and Marie. Mm. Um, when I I had I literally had a three thousand word article just ripping that film to shreds in every single way. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I this why am I doing this? And mm-hmm. I really only have one thing that hasn't already been said and I need to write about the mac and cheese. And so ultimately it's just an article about how to properly make craft mac and cheese. And then it also links to better critics articles about explaining yeah. wh- wh- how the film doesn't work. Well, there you go. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I haven't written anything for movie battle in a long time. Maybe I'll have time to do it. And yeah. I don't know. I, I'm anyway. literally, this podcast is going to be coming out on a Sunday. It's not coming out earlier um because we're recording this on an, on tuesday um but um we're recording it on the day that the screen's margins hit 1000 plays on hey, total woo. plays congrats so, um but the reason it's not coming out earlier is because i'm literally releasing like a podcast every single day for yeah no there's no rush <laughs> for like a week yeah um but anyway um so i'm gonna skip over my number nine because we're gonna talk about it later oh. um because it's, it's my number one i'll take this to Maybe, um, but uh, I but I will just take this one. I I want to credit the DP for this is not a burial; it's a resurrection. I forgot to uh, Pierre de, Pierre de Villiers. I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but anyway, he only has like a couple credits to his name, and my mm-hmm. word, he should have more. Um, yeah, so, he's really right. talented. Um, so all right, I am skipping over my number nine. Why don't we talk about your <laughs> your next one? Uh, I so this one we definitely did an episode on uh, Nomadland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. I know it's um, kind of an obvious picture. one. Yeah. It did. It won best picture, but I do really think um, 
sometimes things are nominated or win Best Picture, and I'm like, I mean, I get it, but, like, uh, it didn't speak to me. And this film really spoke to me. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like I said, we did a full episode on it. There's a ton of criticism you can read about it if you're interested, because, um, you know, right. it did win Best Picture. But if you haven't seen it, it's on Hulu, so it's a really easy yeah. watch. Um, and that is one that I would go see in a theater just because of how gorgeous it is. Um, and like those mm-hmm. sprawling landscapes, but I honestly, I'd be kind of surprised if it got a theatrical release at this point. Um, so can I tell you a little secret? Hmm. Um, I did get to see it in a theater. <gasps> How was it? Amazing. It was spectacular. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was in a place where I, where theaters were open mm-hmm. and i got a seat away from everyone else and no judgment here on very that. large theater and um obviously never took the mask off or anything mm-hmm. like that but just yeah but back in february i got to see it in the theater and i was like oh my word it's mm-hmm. it's just so beautiful it's it's so beautiful the visuals are are sumptuous um yeah, Chloe Chloe Zhao knows what she's doing, and I'm actually kind of excited about an MCU movie for the first time in a bit. Yeah, um, because Chloe Zhao's doing one, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, and there was that whole like dialogue where the it was like Kevin Feige was like, and she wanted to do it all on location. Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige. <laughs> whatever he spells yeah, his yeah. name weird. Um, but regardless, <laughs> Kevin F. He was yeah. like, I. Like, I was blown away that she wanted to, like, do it on location. And everyone's like, yeah, that's how, like, most movies are filmed. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. So, yeah. no, Nomadland yeah. is quite great. Frances McDormand is lovely. David Strathairn is hot. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I'll All right. take your word um, for it. So this, yep. Um, this 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 next film uh, we've both seen, and I know you like it. I don't know if this is also going to show up. If this is also on your list, um, if so, we might. Why don't we just talk about it mm-hmm. right now? Uh, the new film. This is the first time I got to see in a theater in my hometown for like two years. I saw it yesterday. It's great. It's Zola. Yes, Zola is my number two for the year. Oh, is it? Okay. Um. Well, it's my number we can two. Talk about it's my it number. No, but we can talk about it now. We can we, talk about it now. No, 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 no. Let's just talk about it now because you brought okay. it up. Um. Okay. No, it is. Um, it is a phenom- It was the first film I saw back in theaters. Absolutely phenomenal. A an enchanting okay. score. Amazing performances all around. Um, Riley Keough in mm. particular. I'm Michael super Levy is the about. score. Yeah. So Riley Keough plays um, Stephanie, who is sort of like the antagonist for this mm-hmm. entire thing. And she is awesome. So she is actually the granddaughter of Elvis Presley. That's a true fact. Oh. So nepotism okay. is alive and well. But um, what I'm really excited for, and I think is really cool that like the granddaughter of Elvis Presley is doing this, she is set to be Daisy Jones in the adaptation of Daisy Jones and the Six, the book by Taylor Jenkins Reid. The first in her sort of like Hollywood universe. She also wrote Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which is probably her most okay. well-known book. And um, Malibu Rising is her most recent film. Um, and she, or most recent book, sorry. And she is just like, basically Reese, Reese Witherspoon's production company just like has all of her shit uh, okay. optioned, basically. Um, and so Riley Keough is set to play Daisy Jones, uh, which is, you know, Daisy Jones and the Six, obviously a really important re- lead role. Um, and she's awesome. 
Uh, I really, right. I loved, and um, Nicholas Braun, unreal performance on his end. Absolutely cracked me up every time yeah. he was on screen. Um, yeah, no, Zola, um, so this this is the film it's not i don't think it's actually the first film to be adapted from a twitter thread but it's the this is like the first like big mainstream film to be adapted from a twitter yeah thread. i mean it's it's like an um, a24 it's uh jeremy o'harris was one of the writers for the um right. co-wrote it with janixa yeah and um and he's like a big deal because at least in new york he's a really big deal because of slave play um okay which is a uh it's it was it's an off Broadway production. Um, I never got a chance to see it, but it uh, it was it was really like lauded, um, and it was yeah it was it's like a really um, it's hard for me to explain because I haven't really seen it, and I feel like it's really hard to okay. explain <laughs> a play if you haven't seen it. But the point is, it was like a really right. controversial, very like interesting play that like you know a lot of important people were talking about. And so the fact that he was tagged on to, he was tagged in to um, write this, I think is a testament to how uh, interesting this story was just in its bare bones. And I think that he and uh, Bravo did a really amazing job of uh, adapting it. Yeah. Have you seen anything else from Janixa Bravo? I don't believe I have. Okay. So, Janixa Bravo is one of my favorite working filmmakers. Um, she's she, most of her work is in shorts, um, and then she she well also she did Lemon done, and oh, Mrs. America. So right, well, right. She's she's done a lot of television, and then her first mm-hmm. feature was uh, Lemon, which was with Brett Gelman. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she did one of the best episodes of Dear White People. She did one of the best episodes of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, she is exceptional at working within uncomfortable spaces. Um, and her short, uh, Man Rots from the Head, is one of my favorite short films, period, um, with Michael Sarah, And her her ability, this film, I, I don't, let's see here. I, I don't like, I'm not totally in love with this movie. I think that there are some things it does incredibly well. I think there's some things that it doesn't, that that it maybe uh, uh, falters on. But as a, as a piece of, of, as a piece of like just visual and, and uh, uh, rhythmic storytelling, uh, uh, Janixa Bravo and Joy McMillan, um, who's the editor for this film she might have heard of her she also edited stuff like you know moonlight if beale street could talk um mm-hmm. joy mcmillan is the best editor working in hollywood right now period um she's my favorite editor um but her their work here is just spectacular in the way that they just kind of this story cascades um throughout um taylor page and riley keel obviously are great coleman domingo yeah is one of my favorites um he, people should be treating him as if he is the um our today's paul newman um in the way that right. he can he can go suave and he can go harsh and mm-hmm. just turn it on a dime um, I love him. If they ever remade uh, the Sting, which was a Paul Newman, Robert Redford film, I want, I want Coleman Domingo in the yeah. Paul Newman role. Um, anyway, just this fantastic f- cast. The writing is is so strange and hilarious. Um, 
I think this film works incredibly well as a critique of of whiteness. It's what Janixo is kind of uh, uh, what she kind of has has explored through a lot through most mm-hmm. of her most of her work is exploring uh, uh, how strange and harmful and odd whiteness is. Yeah. Um, watch her shorts like Woman in Deep or Pauline Alone or Gregory Go Boom. All of, all of her shorts that there there's these explorations of whiteness. Lemon is specifically about taking. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Judd Apatow comedy and showing it as like the horror movie it really is. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's where Zola shines is an explore exploring uh, the characters of Stephanie. Um, and and her boyfriend is just like, what even are these people? Yeah. Um, I think the film it's I mean, it's it's about a specific like. Let me tell you this crazy story. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the. The tagline of the movies, like you all want to hear a, a crazy story. Yeah, y'all want to hear how I um, fell out with this long. bitch. How me and this bitch yeah, here fell it's out. Kind of long, but it's full of suspense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's actually the movie's not that long, but it is full of suspense. Um, and I think what I came away from it though was that the character of Taylor Page, the character of Zola, I felt um, I got more insight into Stephanie than I did into Zola by the, by the end of this film, because she's almost like an audience surrogate. Um, and, and I came away as like kind of wishing that I had known more about the person who wrote Mm -hmm. this, wrote this Twitter thread and who told this story. I wanted, it felt like she was just kind of, we were, I mean, that's what this movie is. It's just, we're along for a a ride. ride, And yeah, I think, and so, yeah, I think that the thing is, though, in the original Twitter thread, like, Zola is so not a character in the Twitter thread. Which I haven't read, by the way. Oh, well, I I, I I, think it's necessary reading (laughs) before you watch the film. I'm I'm going to be reading it at some point in the next couple days. I just, like, I want to. No, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that I, I, I totally understand. I'm just saying that, like, I understand what you're saying, but I think that in terms of adapting a Twitter thread, it. It, it makes sense why she is very much a surrogate for the audience because in the Twitter thread, like, she makes it very clear that she was a witness to this. Like, she wasn't really... Okay. She was, like... It was very much, like... At least to me, it was, like... It, it was, like, she was, like... A, she was just, like, sort of... You know, like we said, along for the ride. Like, it wasn't... Mm-hmm. um You know, she kind of, like, goes in and then is just kind of, like, trying to get through... The madness, which I think the film. The movie, by the way, is about is about a woman who gets, I mean, kind of dragged into the story where a woman is essentially kidnapped into sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, um, and and I was and I'm I was worried I was I don't know it's was one of the things that I was interested to see is how this film actually portrays the act of sex work because this is a film about sex trafficking and it's Mm -hmm. like does it look down on sex work and I ultimately don't think it I don't. Ultimately, I don't think, it think does. that it, it it doesn't look down on sex work, but I think that um, just it's yeah. Um, but it well, I think it, it presents the dangers of it, but in a fair way, particularly through the character of Stephanie and with her pimp, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that that is like. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 what happened. You know what I mean? Like right. it's it's what happened based on this story. So it kind of um, I think it does a good job not looking down on it in a situation. Right. You know, and the original Twitter thread is, I believe, from 2015. So um, right. you know, it anyway. The the my yeah, so it, 
I had two favorite parts of the movie. Uh, my first favorite part is um, when they're all driving down and they, they're they singing Hannah Montana, Hannah Montana. By, by French Montana. Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. Which is such a... Uh, it was such a moment. I remember that song so well. Um, and so that was one of my favorite parts. Um, actually, I had three favorite parts. My second favorite part was Stephanie interjecting. <laughs> and like when she talks about her Reddit post, like, I fuck with Jesus. Like that was thrilling to me. And also, I mean, sort of like the conglomeration, like I loved all of the little uh, Taylor Page Zola asides being like, it was 48 hours until I figured out this guy's name. Or like, it was 48 hours until I heard this this woman talk. <laughs> was... And, and uh, or like, mm-hmm. he really jumped. <laughs> like all of those little things <laughs> I found to be so funny. Um, I, I was cracking up really this entire movie. Um, yeah. It really floored me. So yeah, great film. See it in theaters if if you feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, like I'm fully vaccinated or whatever. So mm-hmm. like, anyway, um, yeah. So it's it's a film that I do, that is is I, I I have some critiques of it, but still, just I had a I had a wonderful time with mm-hmm. with this film, and yeah, and Joy McMillan. And Janixa Bravo are just I am I am huge huge fans of these people. Yeah, and I I want to see everything that they do together because yeah. they clearly have a blast working with each other. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Um, since we just covered what if uh, also one of your films, I'm gonna throw out another one. Uh, mm-hmm. This is something that we uh, didn't review. I might have I I think I've talked about it on a couple different podcasts a couple different times, but this film uh, the film is Test Pattern. Um. And it's uh, from director writer, right? Yeah, from writer director Shatara Michelle Ford. Um, is it? It's the story of a um, a black woman who's in a relationship with a white man, and it's seemingly a very happy relationship. And then one night, um, she is out with her friends, and she gets drugged and assaulted. And the film is a journey of them the day after trying to get a rape kit. Um, as they call it, um, going around and this the city of Austin, and just trying to get healthcare of some kind, of any kind, please today now, and it's and it's a, and so the immediate most apparent message is about how faulty our healthcare system is um, for survivors of sexual assault. Um, I think what I glommed onto the most is it's a story about how different people react differently to to sexual violence and how maybe we need I mean there are people there I mean and there are lots of stories about people who get want to get revenge or who want to you know fight the system and who want to uh uh get justice and all this stuff there are also some people who just want to recover Mm -hmm. and like i don't want to go out and be angry i just need some time to grieve and process and i want to do this by myself and it's a story about how the dynamics between this relationship between uh uh the the actors are Brittany s hall and will bull and how will bull's character he is maybe unintentionally, but he is using his white privilege to basically force um, uh, Britney's character to get justice. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a fascinating film, full of full of nuance, exploring difficult subjects with with uh, such such tenderness. And yeah, I think it's one of the best. I think it's maybe my favorite script uh, mm-hmm. of of the year. Just of this is this is a fascinating fascinating film and sure. i'm i'm really glad i saw it because it was almost one of those things where it's like oh it's am i gonna have time and i made time for it and i'm so glad that i did mm-hmm. um this it's 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 difficult to watch but ultimately i think incredibly rewarding so test yeah. pattern please please seek this one out yeah um all right next for you okay so my next is a tv program okay um a program a program it's one of two that i have Oh. And um, right. and I get it that this is a film podcast, but I am of the mind that I think some of the best film that is happening right now is on television, and it just happens to be on television. Um, mm-hmm. So and- hi, you, my my position on this is well, yes, we talk about you know films like stuff that you would play in a theater but maybe but at this point my position on film is if it is captured somehow by a camera of some sort and displayed on a screen of some sort it's a movie um yeah yeah and so um totally uh, tv is totally you can put it in here yeah um and this is wandavision on disney plus really and now hear me hear me out i am by no means a marvel stan like I I remember like so I saw like the first Iron Man in theaters like my family and I like when we're kind of just like watching something that everyone's going to be interested in we will you know a Marvel movie is kind of always like in the realm of possibility like I I definitely I I really like Captain Marvel um I cried after Avengers Endgame but I'm I'm by no means like a stan or a super fan like I agree with mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm not, I'm not like one of these like, how dare you insult the Marvel? It's like I don't. Ultimately, like, yeah. If people like it, great. If people don't, they don't. Um, and I also recognize that there's a ton of military propaganda in it. Yeah. That being said, <laughs> I think Wandavision is some of the most interesting television I've seen in a while. Like, in okay. in terms of, like, what it is, in terms of, like, what it, uh, what it, what it's sort of, like, representing and what it's portraying, like, this, like, you know, because sort of the, the crux of it is, you know, Wanda Maximoff, played by the extremely talented Elizabeth Olsen, we kind of discover that she is going through an immense amount of grief and is sort of, like, uh, I don't want to give away too many spoilers because I know not everyone has access to Disney Plus and maybe are waiting, and I totally get that. So I, I won't give away too many spoilers, but it is ultimately it is a show about grief and love, I think. And I think mm-hmm. that that is so real in COVID in particular. Like, I think that there is so much, you know, grieving on a macro and micro scale both right now in the world and in our country um and i think that this is one of the best representations i've seen of it and it's through a marvel movie and so that's i think i'm really excited about a lot of the marvel tv shows and like we were talking about how we're both kind of excited for legacies because chloe Zhao is 
involved in it. And so you what I'm Eternals? hoping or Eternals, pardon. Yeah, I sorry. Um, same, same. <laughs> What's um, Legacies? Legacies. I think it's a show. Uh, I don't know. It's a show that I feel like I've seen the name of, and I got them confused. Okay. <laughs> um, so. Uh, you know, those like one word, like just generic words, mm. but regardless, right. um, Eternals, I think that with the expansion of the MCU, there is and into like television, I think that there is like a lot of opportunity for like, obviously none of this is like low budget, it's Marvel, but there's, they're, mm. they're, because they're not only focused on like these huge, like Avengers movies with all these A-list stars and they're kind of like going into these like smaller stories in the marvel universe i think it's a really good opportunity for different types of filmmakers and different types of film to be represented in the in this very popular and accessible fandom and in a fandom that is and in a in a franchise that is going to get a ton of money no matter what you make and i think that that's really cool like, I think it's really cool that Chloe Zhao is getting, like, a ton of fucking money to make a Marvel movie. Like, that kind of fucks <laughs> yeah. after making Nomadland. And I think um, and I think WandaVision set a really good precedent for that in this sort of new phase of Marvel. Like, I think it was really smart of them to release this first. And, like, I mean, I was, like, sobbing. And, like, I... And I, um... I don't know. I'm a big believer in, like... I often think that when done right, I think I think when done right, the most powerful television show, like it can really affect people because it's like you're bringing some. Will Smith has um, this really good quote where he was on the Graham Norton show and he was talking about like you know I get recognized for uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air more than I get recognized for every anything because people were inviting me into their homes and like I was there. Mm-hmm in their living rooms week by week and i think that that has a lot more of an impact on people than any of my work in these big budget movies and i think that there's a ton of truth to that and so i think that tv can be so impactful and i think wandavision is a really good example of like something that like yeah like these are characters that have been in these crazy huge movies and these are people who have been in crazy huge movies but this television show i think really I don't know, it was able to really dive into these more subtle, like, feelings and and plots that, you know, are kind of difficult to get in a big budget. And and Catherine Hahn also is absolutely incredible in this. She's awesome. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, WandaVision, uh, I, yeah, so I'm coming from the person who I used to be a gigantic uh, MCU person, and then Endgame happened, it was almost like the climax, and I'm like, oh, wait. There's a lot more interesting stuff all around this stuff that I mm-hmm. want to start paying attention to. And and so I I've fallen off the bandwagon. Like I'm still probably going to see most of their stuff, if mm-hmm. not all of it, just to keep up. Um mm-hmm. but but I'm not nearly as invested as I used to be. And WandaVision is a fascinating entity because um because it's I it's it almost for me I was watching like this is a very strange meta text for the MCU to be making because it's about it's a story about how people are getting trapped in nostalgia mm-hmm. um, and they're literally they're literalizing their nostalgia to prevent themselves from coming to terms with 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 their issues right um, and, and I think that's an interesting thing for a franchise that is based on feeding people's nostalgia to mm-hmm. be making 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so I think that it has a lot of interesting ideas, and I think there are some very good performances. It I think it kind of cops it out at the end by um, by is like we're gonna take the story about grief and stuff, and we're just gonna make big explosions again. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, like it's still a marvel. We can't tell a story without that, and I'm just like, really, we can't? Because I think it would be way more interesting if we did tell a story without really big explosions. Listen, Quentin end. Tarantino can't tell a story without feet. I mean, I'm not a fan of Quentin Tarantino. You I'm just, just saying, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying that, like, you know, you know your audience, you know. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so I think it. I think it had some good ideas. I think it went. A, I. I think it. It didn't carry all those ideas fully to term. Um. But there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in there, and so mm-hmm. I. 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 I respect it more than I enjoy it. Um, yeah, and I and going forward, the MCU like Black Widow's coming out like next week. Yeah. Um, and Eternals is coming, and like there, there's like so much <laughs> MCU stuff coming out now, and I'm like, yeah. I think I'm, I'm, I'm part of me is a little bummed that this is when I kind of fell out of the franchise because now they're starting to give the movies to like you know women. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and letting other voices tell these stories. Yeah. Um, and it's like, why didn't you start with that? Like, why did you have to get your your cishet white men uh, uh, base before you started yeah. telling the interesting stories? Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. But all right. So, WandaVision. Yeah. Um. If I've. It's. It's neat to see it. To see it here among stuff like my next pick, which is a movie that I know you didn't like, but I'm going to talk about it anyway because I really love it. Um. So, Molly toward or Mothney towards the ocean towards the shore. Mm. Um, this is an experimental documentary from Sky Hopinka. Um, it's available through Grasshopper. Um, Grasshopper Film. It's still streaming there, and I recommend that people go check it out. It's a documentary uh, from exploring um, the. Um, I'm, I'm, I've forgotten the the name. Hold on, I, I still have my notes. Um, but of a an indigenous community in the Pacific Northwest, specifically around like the Portland, Vancouver area, like on the, on the coast of the Columbia. Um, and, and it's telling, uh, uh, it's exploring two individuals, um, a, a, a man and a woman. And let's see here, uh, uh, Chinook, Chinook and people. Um, and exploring their personal lives, um, their relationship to their culture, and and meanwhile at the same time it's also telling the story of myths um surrounding meteors and surrounding uh, uh the their death myth and or the yeah the death myth and i found that this film was able to do for me what a lot of cinema isn't able to do which is to put me in a place of rest um and a, a place of of calm and i think that that Hoppenka is able to do that through some some really uh, uh, unexpected and and fascinating uh, uh, editing and photography choices. And I know that uh, uh, Anna, you didn't like the photography and editing choices because you basically just called it uh, really cheap. And I think that this film is able to transcend that. But um, so yeah, so I I. I this film has has stayed with me since I since I've seen it and and so I'm and it and it it's still one of my favorites of the year so Mothney towards the ocean towards the shore um yeah I really like it 
Um, my next pick is Luca. <laughs> We're just not even gonna. You're not even gonna say anything about it. No, I mean, um, if you don't have anything nice to say, I already, I already expressed my feel. I don't feel like rehashing an argument. Yeah, when I can talk about something positive. Um, I loved Luca. Right. Your next film is is my my number two of the year. <laughs> I loved Luca. I so. thought it was so sweet. It made me cry. Calamari made by your me name indeed. Sob. It was so cute. <laughs> yeah. I thought I mean Pixar just is so good. I think Pixar is extremely good at finding really interesting and digestible stories. Um, which is a tough combo. It's a tough combo to do that. Um, and they do. And I think Luca is a really good example of that. And I think um I love that they use Jacob Tremblay as the voice of the kid. I love that it's Maya Rudolph and Jim Gaffigan as the parents. Like, I just find I just found this movie so delightful and I found it to be, you know, it's obviously I mean, I think you can't throw a stone without finding um someone saying that this is a metaphor for queerness. I completely agree. Um and I just think it's beautiful. I thought it was a beautiful film. Yeah, um, you, well, you threw a stone and you hit me because mm-hmm. this film is about queerness. Um, this, I agree. I totally film, agree. Um, not in the sense, because a lot of people were talking about it when they were talking. It's like, oh, it's going to be like, you know, uh, like you said, Calam- Calamari, Calamari by, by your, name. your name. It's going to be about this young queer couple. Like there, there's queer code. I not, I'm, I mean, yes, you, there is that, that dynamic of possibly a, a, budding romance between uh, 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 Luca and Alberto but um, but for me the way that Luca succeeds is as a story about the closet um, I mean this is how I put it is the act one is like fellas is it gay to be to be a human mm-hmm. in that like he's like look look at what I can show you like is this your first time walking like all these things is like there's this whole other world outside of what you know that is full of of life and cool people and friendship and kinship mm-hmm. and so there's there's that whole aspect and then once we get into act two and three it's suddenly about how being a sea monster um is is is, is other yeah right and 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 it's very specifically about you know hiding yourself and allies and all of these things and it's a story about being able i mean it's a story about being able to be comfortable in your own skin whatever yeah. it looks like um and yeah this the there's this is the best this is the, for me this is the best thing that pixar has done since finding nemo um, and I think Finding Nemo is the best thing that they've ever done. Um, this is this is top tier Pixar for me. The animation feels like I mean, and this was something that they intentionally set out to do was like combine uh, Ghibli and Aardman um, mm-hmm. to create this very you know, it's they're they're it's not realistic in the way that Soul Soul's animation or Toy Story 4's animation was almost photoreal. There it's mm-hmm. very much it's much more of a It's cartoony. Art of, it's cartoony. But not in a bad way. Which isn't it's, I don't I don't say that in a comforting yeah. quality. Um the food in here is amazing. I f- was like my parents were like I forced my parents to watch this movie um 
after I had seen it the first time, is like, and you know what we're going to do is tomorrow, after we see this movie, we're going to eat Italian. And they're like, really? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, after you see this movie, you're going to want to eat Italian. And you know what? We went to an Italian restaurant yeah, yeah. the next day. Um, because the food in here is just the, yeah, the, it's, it looks so good. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this this film affected me so, so much. Um, I Dan Romer's score for this film is I mean because a lot of people have talked about and this film has been like it's been warmly received but a lot of people are calling it is you know like it's decent it's good no this film is bonkers incredible yeah um and and because there's like oh but it's such a small scale and the stakes aren't that high are you kidding me the stakes here are so high yeah um they are they are so high and part of the reason that you're able to feel how high the stakes are is because Dan Romer score is is huge mm-hmm. it is a gigantic sweeping score for you know seemingly very small events the climax yeah. of this movie is a guy biking up and down a hill yeah like it, <laughs> and and you feel every ounce of emotion because this he's able to use these sweeping melodies um mm-hmm. to just to break you down and build you up he's um he's he i think he's best known his previous to this his best known work was for beasts of the southern wild and uh, wendy mm-hmm. um his work with that director and i know the score from wendy even though i haven't seen the film wendy because the last film that i saw before the pandemic i was on my way home for for spring break and i caught portrait of lady on a fire portrait of lady on fire in a theater in missoula montana and there are very thin walls in that theater and mm-hmm. in the theater next to us wendy, wendy was, playing, was playing and dan romer's yeah. score because portrait lady on fire very quiet movie very quiet wendy film. very loud movie portrait of a lady um, on fire and so i got to hear a oh my word one of my favorite is, movies i mean no i'm just commenting on your tattoo <laughs> like mm-hmm. that is that's majestic um yeah here it's uh but anyway and so it's heloise yeah the, and that's yeah. her dress on fire yeah that that that's 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 spectacular thank you um but anyway is i was in a very quiet screening and then the score blasting is like man i really like that score i just wish i couldn't hear it right now Mm -hmm. while i'm trying to watch portrait lady on fire again Mm -hmm. um but anyway anyway yeah good movie um, highly recommend Luca's, luca's brilliant um it's emotional storytelling at its best. Uh, there's a moment in kids' film, in every kids' film, where the two best friends suddenly start to fight, mm-hmm. and here it works. It's it not hits. cliche because it it's, hits. it's it's about it's specifically about assimilation in the closet mm-hmm. and self preservation, and it's 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 so great. This mm-hmm. this movie is is so emotionally intelligent, mm-hmm. um, and I'll be talking about emotional intelligent animation when we get to my number one. But mm. um, but but from but from there, um, uh, what what what's what what else you got? Well, well, why don't you go? Because Luca, we Luca was one of yours too. Well, so how many films before you get to your number one do you have left? Three. Because I have three. I have okay, three too. So, you, so why don't you go? Why don't you go then? Um, um just to keep with. Okay, so this one we—I mean—we don't have to talk about it too much because we did an episode on it. But um, together, together uh, okay. is one of my top of this year. Um, for those who didn't catch our episode on it yet, um, one I highly recommend it. We both really like this movie, um, mm-hmm. and so that's how you know it's a good movie because B and I have different tastes. Um, 
but <laughs> it's basically uh, about this woman who becomes a surrogate for a single man played by Patty Harrison and Ed Helms, respectively, and uh, sort of how they navigate their relationship and how they sort of navigate the pregnancy, you know, together, but not together. Um, right. And I think it's a They're really... They're not together together. Yeah. I think it's a really funny movie. I think it's a really intelligent movie. And I thought it was a really emotional movie. I really, I really like it. It's, yeah. it's really stuck with me since we, we watched it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not in my top 10. It's, it's sitting in that area of, it's not in my top mm -hmm. 10, but I really enjoyed these movies, um, mm -hmm. this year, um, where, yeah, it's, it's a very intelligent film. I quite enjoyed it as a meta text, uh, commenting on Woody Allen, um, go yeah. listen to the episode if you want to hear my breakdown of yeah. that. Um, but very, yeah, very, no, smart. very intelligent film with a lovely ensemble cast, um, some some stellar writing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Patty Harrison is lovely. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so yeah, and Ju very, and Julio Torres has a really funny uh, character in it, and I love him. So yeah. please uh, yeah. definitely go watch that one. It's really it's really well worth it in my opinion. Okay, um, from there. Um, I'm suspecting this might also be on your list. Go on. Um, and this is a film that we didn't review on this podcast, but it is a film I reviewed on Critically Acclaimed while I was down in L.A. Um, and the film is Bo Burnham Inside. That is that is my number three. That is on my list. Okay. So Bo Burnham Inside is a performance special um, that was released on Netflix at the end of May. And it is... Uh, I mean, it's it's Bo Burnham. He made he made uh he made it he made a performance special, a comedy music special. You know, it's his thing. Just this time, he did it within the confines of one room over the course of a year. Yeah, and um, it's, it's it's something, isn't it? It's really good. The um, I have three of the songs from that on like my okay. playlist that I listen to every day. <laughs> Which are All Eyes on Me, which is one of my okay. favorite songs of all time. That uh, Funny oh, wow. Feeling. All right. And uh, Look Who's Inside Again. Um, okay. Um, Welcome to the Internet. Um, oh, great. Yeah. That one was that one was stuck in my head for weeks. Yeah. And um, Bo and the, the wonderful, one of the many layers of genius with Bo Burnham is that there are a lot of points in the special that he purposefully either orchestrated or left in in order to give it a sense of authenticity but he mm -hmm. has made jokes about that in the past like there's this one part in the special where like his camera falls down and he goes like oh shit and goes to catch it and right. I saw that and and someone on Twitter I think put that and spliced it with a moment from one of his uh, other comedy specials sure. I, I can't remember which one yeah 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 um, and he like drops a water bottle and then puts it back up and then it immediately mm -hmm. cuts into a song of like you thought that was on purpose but it was and i just did it to make me seem more relatable or something like that i can't yeah, remember the yeah. exact words um so bo burnham you know he it's very um he meant to drop the water over yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> art yeah. is a lie nothing is real uh, yeah yeah art is a lie nothing is real yeah and so art is a lie nothing is real is very much like the I think one of the theses of this performance special as well. Like, I think that Bo Burnham is incredibly self-aware in his role as a comedian. And I think that, you know, that's one of the layers of... Because, like, you know, 
he wasn't in a room by himself for an entire year. Like he just wasn't. Like no, that's he not. He had Lorraine Scarfaria uh, with yeah, him yeah. the whole time. Yeah, he Which, like there's. By the way, what a directing couple those are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so uh... I mean, he is not like, but he is, you know, he he strikes this really lovely balance of being himself as an artist without giving away too much of himself. And I think that Inside is really like a masterclass in that. Um, And I think that he like really speaks truth to like what he believes and like what he knows to be true. But he doesn't, um, he doesn't let you in enough to hurt him, which I think is really smart as for someone who is in the sort of relatable guy trope that he is in which i think is yeah. and i think um i don't know it, it to me this special also just went ahead and proved how genius the casting of him and promising young woman was like mm-hmm. truly like i i mean like an absolutely brilliant move on who whoever decided to cast on the him. casting agent's part yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah uh really amazing so so yeah uh i think it's i think it's really an incredible piece of art but i will say if you are someone who has ever struggled with depression or anxiety or anything this is not a happy movie no definitely (laughs) make sure you're in a good headspace is my recommendation Mm. um um like don't watch it when you're already bummed no don't do it um this this film i mean here's the thing this this movie is getting uh put on a pedestal to uh, a dazzling degree the way that people are mm-hmm. fawning over over this film and it's and it's a really great movie i think i think uh, uh kyle calgren who is one of the best video essayists still currently working on youtube put it best in that last year um everyone was talking about like when quarantine first started happening it's like oh so you're gonna when, so you you creatives have no excuse now you have all this time shakespeare when he was in quarantine wrote king lear arguably one of his best works um while in quarantine so you have no excuse kind of thing and and obviously that is a very you know harmful mindset is like how dare you 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 have all this time how dare you not be working um but anyway, Kyle, Kyle Calgren, he basically is like, yeah, Bo Burnham went and he made King Lear. Mm-hmm. Um, he created this this incredible piece of work. Um, and and I think it is a is it is an incredible piece of work. I think its strength is in its honesty and just how confessional it is and how Bo Burnham admits is that, yeah, um, I just made this because I did it so I wouldn't put a bullet in my head. Yeah. Um, I'm, this is, I'm just doing this as self-preservation. And, and so I think, I, th- I think it's an incredibly honest piece of art and I think it, it, a, a lot of it connects and is, and is really, is really quite insightful. Um, mm-hmm. I think though the glorification of it at this point is maybe a little bit of missing the point. Yeah, um, yeah. I because, think it's very I mean, much Bo against Burnham, I mean, his thesis of the um, healing the world with comedy. Like, I think that that's right. exactly or the like, point that he was know, trying to make. It's like, I'm a cishet white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the whole point of the thing is like, I'm showing that is like, maybe I'm, I'm just doing this for myself. I'm not doing it. Like, I don't want, my, I am overrepresented. 
and yet people are just putting him forth as being like this is the thing and i'm just like i i think the other point is that that yes he's doing this and he and he's doing it because he because he has to and it's and it's good it's successful art but also listen to other voices and i think just by putting this specific piece on a pedestal as the er example of everything it's just like no Mm -hmm. no no go listen to other people yeah so it's it's so I recommend people see it um, when they're in a good headspace because yeah. again, it's a, it's a dark thing. There are there's a long monologue in here just about how it's like, yeah, I should just kill myself. I should just yeah. do it right now. We get to see a panic attack just happen. Yeah, yeah. In front of our eyes. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I. I <laughs> so I I but I but I think people should also go watch other stuff too. Yeah, and um, I think Bo Burnham, Bo Burnham would be the first to say that. Yeah, um, um, his his entire arc over his career has been becoming a better person. Go watch mm-hmm. his first special, and there's a lot of stuff in here that does not hold up. And his yeah. his his career well, and he has, has a whole song a about how of, he's problematic and how like right, and it's just a matter of time. His journey has been becoming a better person, and I mm-hmm. think he should he sh- this isn't the end point. I think he can still no, he, there's still room for him to grow. And so yeah, yeah. so I, I, think I think he would be the this, first. This person movie's to say great. That. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. this movie is great, um, and yeah, and it's just as a as a piece of production, it's it's fantastic. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, Bo, it's, Bo on it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. All right, watch. all right. So since that was also one of yours, I'm going to move on to this. I mentioned this in one of my recommendations from the margins. Um, I'm going to talk about it again because it's just that good. Barry Jenkins, The Gaze. Um, this is a 50 minute experimental. Um, film from Barry Jenkins. It serves as an accompaniment to his new uh, uh, television show, uh, The Underground Railroad miniseries, um, adapted from the Clint Smith novel. Um, And it is a work of portraiture. Barry Jenkins is most well known for his portraits of people. Um, The way he has people look into the camera and there is such humanity in that. Um, in Beale, if Beale Street can talk, you see that both in love and also in hatred. You um, and and here you are. It is a portrait of a people who didn't get portraits. Um, in let alone like they. The, it is a we are seeing uh, the people um, from you know pre Civil War era uh, the South. Um, and it is simply witnessing them. It is a series of of shots of of people, um, and it zooms into them, and it zooms out, and it sets Nicholas Bertel's gorgeous score, and that's it for fifty minutes. Um, it's incredibly, incredibly powerful, and I, yeah, I, I think that it's 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 Barry Jenkins doing essentially like it's almost like the the it's Barry Jenkins concentrate um, that, that, um, that his ability to, to, to gaze um, is, is his most powerful tool in his arsenal. And, and I, yeah, it's, it's, it's James Laxton's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous images, um, photography. And yeah, I, it's, it's kind of a hard, difficult film to talk about because it is literally just a series of, of medium like medium wides to medium close-ups to medium wides cut together um they literally shot it as b-roll but but it but put together alongside all of it it becomes more than that and so yeah um, it's i i i love i 
it was one of the best hours that I spent uh, uh, watching movies this year. So, yeah, Barry Jenkins, The Gaze, see it. It's great. There you go. Um, so um, my what do you got left? I have just one before my number one, which you okay. also have on your list. Um, Mayor of Easttown is another All television right. series, a limited series from HBO, starring Kate Winslet. Um. And basically, Kate Winslet plays a um, a sort of downtrodden Pennsylvania detective who is, um, who, like, basically throughout the course of the series, um, a murder happens in her town. But even before that, there is um, the... Invest an ongoing investigation as to uh, a missing girl, and uh, the it's been happening for like the girl's been missing for like a year, and Mare has kind of like hit a dead end, and in comes this detective from County, played by the amazing Evan Peters, um, and it's sort of about it's it's a lot. It's about a lot. It's about Mare as a single mother. It's about Mare as a divorced person. It's about Mare's relationship with her mom. It's about Mare's relationship with her friends. It's about Mare and her, like, you know, sort of basically work addiction. Her, She's a workaholic. And um, it's really an amazing television show. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's worth the HBO Max free trial and maybe even a month. Because uh, now HBO Max does have a um, with ads plan, which is $10 a month really? as opposed to $15 a month. Yep. So okay. um, if you want to watch, you know, there's some really good stuff. Um, I've been meaning to watch Hacks. That's that's next on my list because that also has Gene Smart, who is in Mayor of Easttown as well and who is brilliant in it. Um and there's also some really good um, queer representation in Mare of Easttown as well, which I wasn't expecting. So it's just a really amazing show. It is um, like WandaVision. It's one of those shows where I was like, you know, reading through like forums, like trying to figure out like what's what's going to be going on. It's like HBO. Is it like a murder mystery? Yeah. Okay. HBO is incredibly good at appointment television. They're extremely good at crafting at at finding projects that craft a really good mystery. In my opinion, I think you can see that with um, Big Little Lies. I think you can see that with the True Detective series. Um, before they before they absolutely blew it with Game of Thrones, they had a lock on Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's a really um, it's it's um, I believe six or seven episodes. I'd have to okay. don't quote me on that, but it is a limited series. There's not going to be a season two. Um, so definitely, uh, you know, like I said, it's totally worth the free trial. It's a real, I found it to be a very, I mean, I was watching it week to week, but I, Mm -hmm. I, I watched the first four episodes in one day because, um, I was on a train and I, I watched all of them. And then after that I was doing it week to week, but it's a really amazing show. Kate Winslet is one of the great actresses of our time. (laughs) Um, She is. She very much is. And she, you know. Uh, I haven't seen her in a lot of television roles, um, and it is incredible her accent work. She absolutely nails the Pennsylvania accent in a way that I, I like. I went weirdly. My school in Virginia has had a ton, a lot of, of Pennsylvania folks went down to William and Mary, 
Um, and I was like, oh, damn, yeah, Sh- she got it. <laughs> she she hit it. So really amazing show. Definitely recommend. Yeah. Uh, Kate Winslet is is a master of accents. Um, she I mm-hmm. recently rewatched uh, Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. She plays Ophelia. She's magnificent mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. That was one of her first big roles. She has a Polish accent um, in Danny Boyle's Steve Jobs. She she is a chameleon, and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I the, I don't think I've seen her in anything that I haven't just loved her in. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I haven't seen Mare of Easttown. Um, I saw that it was blowing up on Twitter every week, and people were talking about like, oh my word, the show, and I was like, I don't have time. I'm sorry. Um, I yeah, like well, I, I didn't get around till season to season two of Dickinson until like a couple weeks ago. Oof, um, another great and another great, great season. Oh my word! Honorable mention for best of twenty twenty one so far. Ugh, that that <laughs> that last ep- well episode eight first of all mm-hmm. was was something, something else, but then the last episode was also like they Alina just Smith is there. doing something really incredible, and we're like bearing witness mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, no, they. They went there in that last episode, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Okay, mm-hmm. you're just like they." Lit- there's literally a shot of them mm-hmm. like taking like an orange and just like ripping it apart, and all the juice flying out. And like, oh my word! <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, all right. So, okay. Um. I've got one more thing before my number one, and it's a film that we did talk about on this podcast. Um. It's Roy Anderson's uh, About Endlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a an eighty minute film, a series of vignettes um, about um, well, it's about everything really. It's about life itself. Um, it's a series of vignettes. It's in the Roy Anderson style, where his films are you know a series of vignettes. Sometimes they're in, inner uh, connecting narratives, sometimes not. But um, everyone is literally in pale faces, uh, uh, living out very quiet, stilted, awkward dramas. And there is something about about this film that seems to be reaching for for the infinite. Um, there's this mel- melancholic meditation to it um, that really just brought me in. Um, it's yeah, there it it'll it'll do ev- it'll do everything from explore um, a quiet moment uh, revolving around champagne drinking to the death of Hitler and mm-hmm. it and it somehow all coheres mm-hmm. um there yeah uh, there's there's so much uh, uh intertextual uh, uh stuff that he's doing here i recently started uh reading dante's the divine comedy just mm-hmm. cuz like might as well get around to it um and the central image of this film is of two lovers classed together flying over uh, a war torn thing a war-torn city um that's that's straight out of dante's inferno and like i'm like oh i can see that connection now and so there's roy anderson clearly has a love of production design his his sets are all immaculately composed and yeah just as as a piece of as a as a piece of 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 cinema it it really is it's just my jam is what it is and so mm-hmm. Yeah, slowly paced, minimal dialogue, really austere. Yes, please. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, this is this. It was it was my thing, and I loved it. Um, all right. Um, I'm. How about this? Um, let's let's save your number one because uh, yeah, for, I know for last you, yeah. because it 
it feels much more epic um yeah um, of a number one than mine uh yeah interesting because like you know stuff like about endlessness barry jenkins the gaze these you know more experimental stuff mothney towards the ocean towards the shore that's my jam and yet my two favorite films of this year so far have been blockbuster animation mm-hmm. <laughs> kids animation luca and the Mitchells versus the Machines. Yes, this that movie was just the the way knocked um, my head off. The way um, together together is on like not quite your top ten, but really enjoyed it. That's where Mitchells and the Machine Machines is for me mm, too. Yeah, Mitchells versus the Machines. This film, this film was a this film was a baseball bat to the chest um, for me in the emotional resonance. Um, the way that this it's a film about a family a somewhat dysfunctional family um dealing with a a life change the main character katie mitchell is going off to college um to to go to film school she's queer by the way um again like two big blockbuster animation films with a lot of queer queer stuff in it like what what is going on um and and it's about how the fam the father in an effort to make a last ditch attempt to connect with his with his daughter besides we're going to make it a road trip and while they're on a road trip uh aliens attack no a, a robot robot mm-hmm. overlords take over because turns out yeah. that companies like apple might have too much power what um and yeah this this is a film about storytelling and about how people use different mediums to tell different stories um how they use uh how they use different mediums to connect to one another. And it's just so emotionally intelligent in its exploration of how empathy works and Mm -hmm. how the lengths that people should go to, to try and connect with others. Um, This, yeah, uh, stellar, stellar voice acting throughout the animation is um, it's not on the same level as Spider-Verse, but it has that same amount of creative energy to it. Yeah. Um, You can tell that people who love movies made this movie. Right. I mean, again, in the first five minutes, there is a bajillion references to filmmakers like Lynn Ramsey and Celine Chiama. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Greta Gerwig. And yeah. Agnes, Agnes Varda. Varda. And all this yeah. stuff. It's, it's, it's all, it's all in there and they so clearly love cinema and I love movies that love movies like mm-hmm. this movie loves movies. Um, and so, yeah, I, I adored it. I adored it. I adored it. Um, it also has an all-star voice cast. Right. Right. Yeah. Just every, every single voice. Mm-hmm. There is, there's not a single performance in here that isn't nailing it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this, the comedy in here is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fred Armisen and uh, Beck Bennett play robots that are just delightful. Uh, uh, I mean, we 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 talked about it. There's, you can go down yeah, the yeah. list, and everyone's we, like, "Yeah, yeah that's we an have amazing a... pull that they got that." Yeah, yeah, we have a whole episode about it. Right. I mean, yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Um, which leaves um, which leaves one more film for us to talk about. One Shiva of baby, baby films of all time. All time, baby. I love this movie so fucking much. <laughs> I love this movie so much. I, I, I mean, it's hard for me to talk about how much I love this movie because the love I have for it is so pure. Um, to me, this is one of the best explorations of like what it's like to be in your early twenties right now. 
<laughs> like I find it to be so relatable in so many ways and I'm not Jewish. So, I mean, I don't relate to the shivas, <laughs> to the shiva necessarily. Um or or any of the sort of like more like religious slash cultural stuff, but the the mm-hmm. being like a young queer person right now, I think this film like hits the nail on the head in so many ways. Um, Rachel Senna is an absolute knockout. Molly Gordon is an absolute knockout. Uh, Diana Agron, amazing. Um, I mean, there's Fred Malamud. Yeah, everyone, everyone. There's not a performance in this film that is bad. Like, everything is amazing. The kiss between Molly Gordon and Rachel Senat is one of the best that I've seen committed to film. Um, <laughs> and I say that having watched a lot of movies with kisses in it. I really have. That's oh, it, yeah. Yeah. If a movie doesn't I'm... have a kiss in it, I'm probably not that interested in it, I'll be honest. Um but it is it is an absolute it is it is such a masterclass in in blocking and mm-hmm. um and figuring out how to create an environment and like a, a and figuring out how to create an ambiance in a very right. short amount of time and in a very small space and Emma Seligman I mean, hats off. I I I cannot wait right. to see more from Emma Seligman because she is a genius for this one. She's a genius <laughs> for this one. Um Yeah. And the score by um Ariel Max is uh, uh some of it is It's a horror score. But it's, it's a horror it's score perfect. and it is so good. I listen to it just on my walks. I love it so much. It adds a lot of drama to my day. <laughs> um, and I love it. I mean, I could watch this movie every day for the rest of my life and it, I wouldn't see it enough. Wow. Bold. Bold. It's the same way I feel um, about yeah, like the, Clueless. The editing here is... Yeah. Um this is a masterclass in editing specifically. Mm-hmm. I think the way that this film is paced and the way that tension just mounts and mounts and mounts and mounts and never lets go. Um, we did an episode about this film. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably my favorite of our episodes together. Um, just yeah, because I also... we had so much time just like gushing about it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh... <laughs> yeah. I, I was just going to say, I also did an episode on uh, a, fr- a friend's, well, a, four of my friends do a podcast together called I'm Thinking of Watching Things, and I did an episode okay. on Shiva Baby on that, on, on their right. podcast, and it's uh, it's funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's terrifying. Uh, I'm talking about the film, not the podcast. Yes. Um. No, I agree. <laughs> um yeah this 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 movie this movie's great um i think what i i what i want to call it is one of the first big films in a wave of the new new queer cinema because Mm -hmm. like it's not just like oh wow we're telling stories about queer people now it's like now we're just making movies about people who happen to be queer now right um and and like stuff like 
I mean, Mitchell's and the Machines in a small way kind of is showing signs of this. Um, there's a new uh, uh, horror film, Fear Street. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, that definitely I falls into this. I haven't seen it, but it, that seems like that that's going in a way that like queerness is like a casual thing now. And so, yeah, I'm 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 really excited for for more stuff like this mm-hmm. because this this yeah this was brilliant. This is a brilliant piece of brilliant piece of theater brilliant piece of cinema it's it's impeccably mm-hmm. crafted um yeah i just yeah it's, it's it's lovely it's lovely it's lovely rachel senna i'm free to hang out i think we would be really good friends that's yeah. all i'll say about that I, you, you i think you seem to have similar energies <laughs> i think we would have an absolute hoot together i think we would get along like a house on fire but is she queer? You know, I don't believe so. I I think Okay. I think at least not to my knowledge. I know she has a boyfriend. She could be bisexual. I don't think she is. Um Okay. I think Emma Seligman is. Um right, I wouldn't she be is. surprised if Molly Gordon is. Um I mean I wouldn't be surprised if Rachel Senat is too, but I just don't I just don't believe at this I, I, point, she... like the way that your Twitter feed has influenced my thinking, I now think that just most people, most women are queer now. They the are. That... <laughs> it's just a matter like of if they're Robbie, out about it or not. Like, because oh, everyone Robbie, is at some point. Margot Robbie is Everyone gay. at some point has hung out with Cara Delevingne and that. And all of a sudden they have a girlfriend. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, there were, there's a bunch of pictures of Florence Pugh and Cara Delevingne sat next to each other with uh, Suki Waterhouse mm-hmm. at the Dior fashion show this past week yeah and i'm like okay writing's on the wall for zach braff because uh florence Pugh is about to get <laughs> fucked by car <laughs> florence Pugh is about to yeah, see just... god and uh, zach braff isn't gonna be yeah, able... like anya taylor joy um mm-hmm. is like in this camp as well like what's going on um uh, mm-hmm. but yeah mm-hmm. anyway yeah the this is yeah i hope that this is this is the this is the the, the first signs of a, of a new wave of, of cinema where yeah. queerness is just kind of, you know, it's just in there and, yeah. and it's just a thing now. It's, yeah. we do, people don't have, and it's also not a thing now. Like it's just, it's, it's just there. It's just, a, it's just a fact of life now. And, and it, there, it, it, it so wasn't for such a long time. And now it is, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So there you go. That's and this is only one half of the year. Who knows what's mm-hmm. coming next? Why don't you do, what well, just one off the top of oh. your head? Just like what? What are you looking forward to for the rest of this year? Last night in Soho. Um, okay. New Anya Taylor Joy movie coming out. Um, yeah. Edgar Wright doing Giallo genre. Hmm. Um. I don't know if it's going to come out this year, but I know they've been filming the A League of Their Own adaptation um, that Abby Jacobson wrote. Um, like a, and I am really excited for that. I'm not sure if that's going to come okay. out this year. Um, I mean, there's a lot of movies that I'm really excited for. I, mean, I feel like I'll I'll just say that. Um, um, oh, I'm excited for I'm excited for Don't Worry, Darling, the um Olivia Wilde, Florence Pugh, right? Harry Styles. Is that coming out Russell. this year? Uh, yeah, it's coming out in. Um, I actually think it's coming out in either October. Or, no, it's coming out in November because it comes out like a week okay. and a half before my birthday. And I was like, okay. <laughs> 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 Doesn't Olivia know you so well? <laughs> she, do- I mean, she has said hi to me on video. So, wait, really? When did yeah. this happen? 
This happened when I was in college. Her mom was running for state legislature in Charlottesville, um, which okay. is where UVA is. And my friend who went to UVA took uh, met Olivia Wilde and took a video with her. And Olivia said hi to me. Oh, wow. All right. So there you go. Um, yeah. Um, for me, um, there, there are some films from the first half of the year that I haven't gotten around to that I'm really looking forward to seeing just in the second half of the year. Um, stuff like Barb and Star Vista and Lamar, I want to check that out. Um, mm-hmm. The Inheritance was a film that I think I put on the poll a couple times and never won, and I still haven't gotten around to it, but I've seen Ephraim Asili's earlier work now, his what's called the African Diaspora, or the Diaspora Suite, mm-hmm. which is um, which is a great set of short films. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to get around to the inheritance at some point this year. Um, Carlos Lopez Estrada's, uh, he's the director of blind spotting, um, which was one of the best films of the, that year of the year it came out. And I think he, I think he co-directed Raya and the last dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, a, he's like a working in Disney at Disney now, but his second feature uh, summertime, which premiered at Sundance at the beginning of 2020, is finally coming out in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a film uh, starring an ensemble cast, uh, and the whole thing is in spoken word um, about like over the course of one day in in Los Angeles. And so I'm 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 excited for that. Um, on the blockbuster front, I'm looking forward uh, to 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 Eternals, seeing if 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 that mm-hmm. is able to become one of the better installments in the MCU franchise. A pitchpong where Seth Coon's got a new film coming out in cans, and I hope it comes out in the U.S. It's called Memoria, starring Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Love his her. First, uh, yeah, it's his first uh, uh, film he's made outside of Thailand, and so I'm really excited because he's one of my favorites. And so yeah, there's. There's a bunch of stuff, and there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff that I haven't even heard of yet that is going to be... It's going to I totally oh, forgot, what? but you know what I'm fucking excited for? The Green Knight what? starring Dev Patel, A24. Oh, yeah, yeah. I am, yeah. A, I am an absolute slut for Arthurian myth, and <laughs> I am also a slut for Dev Patel, so I... He's he's quite hot. <laughs> he is a handsome man. I can't wait. I actually saw a trailer for it um, when I went and saw Zola. And right, I, that was the last trailer that played before the film. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, this fucks!" And I can't. <laughs> I actually wait to closed see it. my eyes because I don't want to see the trailer. Wow. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, and so, because I'm I'm looking forward to it. David Lowry. I think has done some some lovely little films. The Old Man and the Gun and A Ghost Story are two lovely little films yeah. about the end of life. Um, but so, and I'm really because and this is just like such a different animal, and I'm like I am fascinated. So yeah, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to that. Um, all right, Anna. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess. I guess uh I guess here we are. At, yeah, I guess at bye. The of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun. Bye no, um uh, this 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 has been lovely. Um we've sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree, but mm-hmm. I think it's it's I've been I've had a really good time looking at films that I know that I wouldn't have gotten to if mm-hmm. I hadn't made a concerted effort to yeah. go after the smaller stuff. I agree. And and I think I think what we did here was valuable and and yeah, I just I'm I'm really glad grateful for you for joining me on this journey well, because I really for... just kind of I I I I want I 
weaseled my way into coming onto your podcast um, mm-hmm. back in December of last year, and I used that as like a backdoor pilot, just like, mm-hmm. hey, to pop the questions, like, you want to do this every week? And you were like, yeah. sure. And I was like, yes. And so, yeah, yeah it's been a blast. Yeah, um, it's been fun. You know, it's not goodbye. It's see you later. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I've, so, I, thanks yeah, for asking me to come. I've, I've definitely enjoyed debating film with you. Yeah, and I'm sure it won't yeah, be the last time. Because we do come from very different places. Yeah, and it, and it's yes. and it's good to remember sometimes that there are people who don't give a bleep about the Criterion Collection. <laughs> yes, well, I give a bleep about the Criterion Collection. I just give less of a <laughs> bleep about experimental film. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have, anyway, I have, that was just, I was just a reference to what you Ross- said on, I the, on. I have the Roberto Rossellini and Bergman box set. From the Criterion Collection on my book. You have the Bergman box set? With uh, the Rossellini and Bergman box set. Oh, okay. Because so not, I just not I just Ingmar Berg. The... All right. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that I also Bergman. have Desert right. Hearts and uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Okay. Yeah, because I just got the Ingmar Bergman box mm-hmm, set. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's my big purchase for the yeah. Criterion sale. Very cool. Um, and yeah, I'm excited about that. That thing is huge. Um, yeah. But. All right. Um, so I guess okay. Anna Campion. Why don't where where can people find you from? I'm always on Twitter. Here? I'm always on Twitter yes, you are. at I am the Campion. <laughs> I sometimes write for Movie Babble. Oh, I need to get back into that. <laughs> I have a podcast called Oh No with Anna Campion, where I talk about embarrassing stories. Um, I'm Anna Camps on Letterboxd, um, which is where you'll probably be able to find most of my more casual film opinions um right and yeah that's pretty much it yeah all right um yeah as as for me twitter letterbox at blue gray closet um our patreon is is essentially defunct at this point Mm -hmm. because it's all coming to the main feed don't give us money because you can get it for free just you might have to wait Mm -hmm. a couple months because it is going to take like literally releasing anywhere between two and five podcasts a week it's going to take three months to release it all yeah um onto the main feed but yeah i just so yeah this is this is this has been a an exceeding pleasure and and yeah it's just what i i this was this was a great way to go out because I, this is this was fun just talking about things we liked so yes all, positive. all right uh with that with that um thank you thank you all for listening um because we know that there's a pull these days when it comes to films to focus only on the big and the mainstream stuff so thanks for spending time with us today here on the margins good night uh-huh.